Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to News from the Krabby Coffee Shop with your host, Don McLean, from the adventures of Bradley and Don on My Talk 1071, Garage Logic's newsman, Mr. FYI, John Height, and the crabbiest guy in the coffee shop, Kenny Olson. Headline North Koreans dying of starvation in massive food crisis as leader Kim piles on the pounds. That's all I've got about that story. The internet somehow discovered my algorithms yeah. discovered that uh, I like North Korea stories, so I get these all the time. So mm-hmm. it's like we know, yeah, yeah. we know. Trust yeah, yeah. us, we went, yeah. read the ultimate book about how awful it is. And, and then I think it wasn't it last week uh, uh, that Kim ordered uh, North Koreans to stop killing themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. well, uh huh. Like you no can't do that. Well, the thing is, is then your family will suffer. So right. they got to add that right. in. Right. Um, oh, we're supposed to have an auctioneer on today. We were really looking forward to it because we want to, I want to actually, if we're going to be forced to work at this state fair, uh, we want to make it fun and actually auction Dawn's storage items off. Yeah. And I started doing a little research about auctions and you've got to know your numbers. You've got to be able to talk numbers. One, one and a half, two, two and a half, three, three. And you've got to get a cadence going. You got to get a rhythm and a cadence going and you can't start too high. You've got to start in your natural voice because you're naturally going to go up. That's all I know about auctioneering. Oh, wow, that's a lot. But uh, Yeah, but we're going to have uh, Jason Hallberg on. He's uh, not only a real estate guy, but he's an auction guy. And I think he represents a school, does he not? The Continental Auctioneer School, is that true, Ross? Yes, correct. And if for some reason, if we whiff on him this week, we'll just get him in a future week. But I'm looking forward to it, too. And I've had the auctioneer song stuck in my head for like three weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Leroy Van Dyke. Oh, okay. I'll play it for you after okay. the pod country since we can't legally play it on the pod. And what if, if you... John plays it on his guitar? <laughs> I'm so sick of this crap. It's like ruining. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It really is. John, oh, can you parody it? I bet you you could do a decent job. Well, I, I can't sing it. I, I mean, <laughs> oh, it's a, so it, they do that yeah, auctioneering stuff. Yeah, it's a tale of an auctioneer, song. and then he does the auctioneer bit. You know. So. Okay. There's a guy on the Letter Kenny series that's an auctioneer. He's uh, fun to watch. Uh, but none of you guys watch Letter Kenny, do you? Not anymore. No, I no, started I to, and then it was no. so bad. Yeah, I realized like yeah. I thought it was good the first episode, and then I'm like, I really hate this. They go the back fourth. to the they go back to the well over and over and over again. Yeah, it just yeah, gets I'm, sorry. Mm. I'm so glad to hear that, Dawn, because I watched the first three, thinking I'm going to love this. Yeah, and then just went. It falls off watch fast, it doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Then it just it becomes ugh, so repetitive. And <laughs> sorry, Letter Kenny. 
that's okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I have forced my way through most of them, and uh, even though I've sworn off them, I always go back and see if just if there's just one good episode. But they just they're too clever, uh, and that's what it is. The clever writing gets in the way of the characters and the storyline. Anyway, um, the thing is run by a PS3 wireless joystick. And you've got to know what we're talking about. Um, this submarine, which sounds like something I designed out in my shop over the winter. Uh-huh. It looks nice from 20 feet away, but it not might not be up to snuff. It's not approved by anything. But it's hauling, what its job is to haul explorers or the people that can afford to pay down to look at the Titanic, right? Yes. It goes missing on Sunday, right? Yes, that's correct. I don't know what time on Sunday, which is getting very important to the story right. since they're going to be running out of air like tomorrow. Yeah. Whatever time they launched on Sunday, I believe in the morning or maybe, I don't know. Oh, I'm trying to get the guy's name here. I should have done all of this beforehand. Uh, the guy that started the company and runs the company. He's in there. The CEO is in there. Yeah. Um and he, I, I was watching a, um, like a 20-minute segment on YouTube before the show started with this geek who was talking all about it. And he's a good geek. He, he seems to know his stuff. He said when this guy founded the company, he decided that instead of and the, the only submarine experts he could find were guys in their 50s that had been in the military and had a lot of experience uh, on submarines. But these guys don't inspire the younger generation, the younger generation, when they see a guy like me with a gray beard and uh, experience, they they don't find that inspiring. So he went to college graduates with no submarine experience, hired them, taught them what they need to know. And that that's the people that are running this submarine, evidently. Oh, man, it's just it's so distressing. I, I this is like my worst nightmare. Yeah, except if a whale would swallow the submarine, then that would be it. You know, I don't mean to make light of it, but that would be the like Jonah. Worst. Jonah. Exactly. Right. Um, so 96 <laughs> hours of air. So uh, have you guys done the math? Yes. Where are we at? With- well, like I said, it'll be, yeah, it'll be, um, it'll really be concerning on Thursday morning. Yeah. Um, um, how, when they launched on Sunday. Let's get back to this, okay? I want to. I really want to talk about this more. But it sounds like, from what I'm seeing from Ross, that uh, Jason Hallberg is on the line with us. There he is. We have him. Hey, Jason. Hey, how are you guys? Great, Jason. Um, We're a stupid little podcast in Minneapolis. We don't necessarily want to be doing this, so we don't really do anything super serious. We don't do anything political. We just basically uh, come on the show with an empty head and goof around. But I've wanted Ross, our producer, to book somebody to teach us how to do just the basics of auction calling for as long as we've been doing this, a year or so or more. And uh, I believe he found you a couple of weeks ago, Jason. You're out of Iowa, right? You betcha, yeah. So uh, I'm the owner and president of Continental Auctioneer School. And Continental Auctioneer School uh, historically has been a Minnesota school. 
that was started in Mankato in 1983. Uh, we've had over 5,000 auctioneers we've trained and over 2,000 personal property appraisers. Wow. And uh, I was actually a little late jumping on here because we're actually teaching auction school this week. So cool. this is cool. what we're going through with a lot of the students right now. So uh, happy to be here and we can give you a little is rundown. Well, a couple of questions. Is there a certification process? Do auctioneers have to be certified, for lack of a better term? So the school offers a certification to produce certified auctioneers. Now, as far as licensing requirements vary in each state, different states have different licensing. Uh, Minnesota has an auctioneer's license. Iowa does not. Uh, North Dakota does. So it kind of depends where you're at. But as far as a school, we produce what we call certified auctioneers, which means an auctioneer has come through and done our training and has passed our test and and went through the motions of knowing what to do to conduct a good auction. What are the like the number one thing that's most important in being an auctioneer? I would say the number one thing is to have a genuine empathy for other people. As an auctioneer, we get put into a lot of situations. Uh, some are happy times, some may be sad times. Right. There's different. We're, we're, it's, it's a people business, and we're always dealing with people on both the seller end, who we're working for, and the buyer end, which is our customers we're serving. And I think it's just important that you, you've got to like other people, and you've got to be a a trustworthy person yourself. You know, we, we boil it down to that. The auction business is based around three things and that's honesty, integrity, and fair play. And when you can give people that it translates to dollars for your seller. People trust you, they like you, and they'll actually pay more money for an item because they feel more comfortable. Oh, that is all the behind the scenes things that I never thought about. Never, yeah. You just yeah. think about the action and like of doing an auction, the when it comes down to speaking to the crowd and talking really fast. <laughs> you, you really got me thinking there. How many times have we all been to auctions where um, it's a widow sure. selling her husband's stuff? Yeah. And it's in a small area. And 90% of the people in the crowd, the buyers, the bidders, all knew the guy that passed away mm -hmm. and the widow. Yeah. So everybody wants to do right by the widow, but everybody wants a really good deal. And somehow the auctioneers got to walk that fence, right? Oh, man. Right. That's one thing that always crosses my mind that lots of times when we step in as an auctioneer, it may be the last non-fixed income check that person will ever get in their life. Wow. And many times... $7,000 to somebody might mean as much as $700,000 to somebody else. Absolutely. So there's really some weight on your shoulders to go out there and try to produce and try to achieve a fair market value for the seller you're working for. And we, we try to keep that, keep that in mind. Wow. Interesting. When I go to auctions and I've decided I'm going to buy something, uh, my dad's really good. He can do one of these. <laughs> Just a nod. Yeah. I have to be next to the guy in the crowd that's working for the auctioneer that's going, hup, hup, 
Right here, right. Yeah, yeah. So I can ask him, how much? Where are we at right now? <laughs> What's the price? Because yeah. I, I cannot keep, keep up. up. Uh-huh. I'm a slow Midwestern listener. I'm a Swede. It's just, it's, it goes by two. It is sweet. It's so fun being there because there's just so much drama playing out, watching the tension between two or three different bidders and watching the auctioneer and watching the guy pointing and going, it's just, it's so fun. It's great drama. Um, oh, but I can't, it, in every auction I go to, I'm like, how did he learn to do this? How did he get so good? And why is he so damn funny? I'm supposed to be funny oh, for a living. Oh, you're supposed to be funny, too. I'm supposed to be funny for a living. This guy is bleeping <laughs> hilarious. Good deal. I bought and, a bunch of cows on accident when I was a kid with my dad. <laughs> he was so mad at me. <laughs> I okay. mean, they took it back, but I was like seven, you know. Speaking of that, I was at an auction last summer, and that happened two times in a row where somebody thought he was bidding on something on one car and he was and the bidding was actually on the car right next oh, to it. Oh, okay. Ooh. And then they had to start the bidding all over again okay. and um that makes everybody in the crowd angry. Sure. Uh have you ever had that uh problem Jason? Yeah, and part of your job as an auctioneer is you are that market facilitator, right? So you want to keep everybody in the crowd happy. And there's sometimes, you know, people just aren't paying attention. Sometimes maybe it's your fault as the auctioneer, right? Maybe you set it up wrong or maybe you move past it. And sometimes it's just the buyer's fault for not paying attention. But you're right. I mean, you need to be cognizant of how you're conducting the auction because happy bidders most likely are going to spend more money. True. And then you know all of the bids in advance. If you have to start over, you know all of your your, uh, competition in the crowd and how much money they have. I bet it does make people mad. Yeah. 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 Uh, I almost bought a Minneapolis Moline last summer at that auction for a steal. Uh, and the only thing that saved me, my dad was, and I had a whole bunch of cash in my pocket. Um, and, but the cash was meant to buy something else. Um, and <laughs> the only thing that saved me was my dad just going, don't do it. Don't do it. You need that one. Don't do it. And the irony there was that, uh, I went to that auction to stop my dad from spending too much <laughs> on a car. And he had way more self-control than I did. It, it went it went over his price, and he stepped out of the bidding. Oh, but man, boy. when a Minneapolis Moline that's been restored is going for fifteen hundred dollars, and you got twice that in your oh, pocket, it's like ah, I gotta have that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you must see that all the time, Jason. People end up going home with stuff they didn't know they needed. Oh yeah, so. We've had just such a change in the industry within the last five years, and primarily it's with the advancement of online bidding. Oh, so right. now right. you're working for a couple of different mentalities. So we have the live auction mentality that we've worked since you know the Romans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've got another system too. So people are, are generating that same excitement through an online platform. And it becomes something even almost similar to a slot machine, right? Yeah. Sure. Because you still have that competition, only but they're clicking the bid button on their computer or on their phone. And it's, I mean, it's its really a unique experience. So now where that's changed us as an auctioneer is we have to say, okay, does our seller's item fit an online only auction platform? Do they fit a live auction platform? Or do we want to have a live auction with online simulcast bidding? 
Yeah. So uh-huh. now there's all these different tangents and all these different tools that we offer now that we simply didn't offer 20 years ago. That sounds so. complicated. Yeah. I, I have a question, Jason. Uh, uh, Showing what a rube I am, the only uh, thing I know about auctioneers is what I see on Storage Wars on television. Do uh, I know all those bidders, the main regulars on the show, and then the people who don't matter, they, they obviously get other ones that we don't see on TV. They all have different ways of bidding. Do you have to, or does an auctioneer have to know, or does somebody watch those people for you? How does that work? How do you know? Because some people nod, like Kenny said, and then some people say, hey, and some people say, yeah, and blah, blah. You know, how do you know who's bidding and and what's going on? You know, there's an engagement with the auctioneer that once you get that experience, you make that connection uh, okay and and it's kind of amazing because they always used to tell you like if you were public speaking uh they might say something like look over everybody's head or imagine people in their underwear or something yeah, crazy sure. like that right yeah but as an auctioneer we're doing something completely different like we want to make this engagement with these people that we can't touch and you do and once you see that engagement you recognize that acknowledgement, whether it's a wink or a nod or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Yeah, and so sure. it, it's just, it's amazed me. Cause I even think about like talking on this podcast right now with you guys. What has amazed me now is we are starting to, I feel like duplicate an engagement over zoom. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we're all getting much better at connecting with people when, you know, if we were to look back like three years ago, it seemed like we were all looking right into our cameras, right? Like, <laughs> right, there was no right. way. it was really hard to make that connection. But now it seems like you can make that connection. Well, you're doing the same thing as an auctioneer. Yeah. You're engaged yeah. with those bidders and you, we, we call it the look, right? Yeah. You can basically tell who is going to bid on that item. <laughs> Because Jeez. they have. <laughs> That's fantastic, Jason. When the auctioneer looks at me, I'll I'll shake my head. No, stop! Don't look at me. Stop looking at me. No. Like I am not in this race. I, just I be clear. This. No, yeah. no. I was just gonna say when Keddy sits down, the auctioneer goes, "There's the sucker." Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then there's so other it's times funny you mention that because as an auctioneer, we have something that is subconsciously doing something completely different than what you're doing because kenny if you have the look and you're out there trying to go like that right yeah, yeah. if i can create engagement with you i'm going like this he is shaking his like head this. yes up if and down like for people that are this. just listening to this and not seeing and kenny was shaking his head no <laughs> So, so realistically, true. Kenny thinks he's on top of the auctioneer because he's out here doing this, but he really doesn't like, know oh, the auctioneer no. thought about it two steps before. <laughs> and you guys, you can, I know you tell uh, can tell this because usually the the, uh, the products at an auctioneer are strung out uh, in a long row, either on hay racks or trailers or whatever. Uh, and if there's a bunch of cars and there's a guy in a lawn chair next to the car you know you have to keep your eye on that guy, right? Because he's been waiting for you to get to that car for the last hour and a half, <laughs> and he plans on going home with that car, right? So he's you claimed kinda, it. So you kind of know ahead of time, this guy is one of the major players with this car. Yeah, most most of the time, somebody will have some signal 
whether yeah. it's sitting there in front of it or leaning on it, or sometimes their signal is standing there and shaking their head no. It's feigning disinterest, right, uh. is, is their signal. So, But, yeah, you usually have an idea. That's kind of how you're recognizing bidders. And because where the auction business or the live auction business is all about momentum. The yeah. hardest thing to do is to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No one wants to show their hand, right? Oh, Everybody's right. out there yeah. right. wanting to get a deal. Right. And they say, you know, oh, I don't want the auctioneer to know I'm interested in that, you know. And uh, and that's uh, the hard part is you want to draw them in and you want to make them forget about that, right? You say, we want you to show your hand. And, and that's one thing we work on when we work with a crowd at a live auction is, you know, how are we designing one setup of the auction and how are we maintaining the bid calling to make people show their hand? And that's different with different crowds. You know, sometimes it, it is the joke, right? Sometimes it is the humor involved makes people forget and they show their hand. Other times it's the pace of the auction because they don't want a fear of loss, right? They say, when it comes to my item, I want to be ready. So right. we're using different things to try to gauge the crowd. Uh. And the crazy part is, so I've auctioneered all over the United States, and the crazy part is it's very local. Like yes. people would not realize how local the culture is in different places. Sure. And when you go somewhere, you've got to figure out, okay, how do these people want to bid versus how do I want them to bid yeah. and what's best for my seller? Yeah. So you're in essence training your crowd when you go somewhere so you know guys guys that show up with a trailer they're not going back home with that trailer (laughs) empty yeah and and you're right about locals we always know when the out-of-towners come sweeping in with the like you know i'm in the middle of minnesota and they've got north dakota and iowa license plates oh no you know (laughs) that um it's going to be a tough go for the locals if these guys have come all that way and they've got a trailer and they just happen to want that corvair that you want or you know whatever it is that tractor that you want um but um, you mentioned something there about, and I've always been fascinated by the opening bid, where you guys start an opening bid. Let's say the item in question is worth $5,000, and you guys always start at $5,000 and get no bids. And then it drops down to $1,000, nobody bids. Then it drops down to 500, nobody bids. Then you start at 100. All of a sudden, the bidding is on, you know, then we're really, really going. My question is, does anybody ever respond to that opening bid? The car's worth five grand. They've got the money. They want the car. You say, opening bid, 5,000. Does anybody raise their hand and go, yep? Have you ever seen that? Really? A lot. A lot. And then sometimes it's a bitter strategy, right? Sometimes it's a bitter strategy that they're that they're going to knock everybody out of the water because they don't want heated competition. They say, if I can just go in once, there's yeah. a good chance I'm going to get it. But what the auctioneer is in essence doing there is the auctioneer is implying value. Because what happens is when you're the auctioneer, you're supposed to know what stuff's worth. Okay? Yep. Yep. So as the auctioneer, if I walk up to a piece and say, all right, I'm going to get $5,000 where? Now the crowd believes that you know, this auctioneer thinks this is worth 5000 Yeah. And then depending where you're at and what it is, you know, all right, get $1,000, $1,200, 1500 and you start going. Yeah. But the crowd is bidding saying, oh, yeah, it's probably going to bring $5,000. 
And if you can be good at that and consistent with that, it helps you to build a more consistent market because people are more eager to bid that amount because they say, boy, this guy's a good auctioneer. He knows what it's going to bring, right? Mm-hmm. He's helped me He's helped me reinforce the idea of value because if right. I walked up there and thought it was a $5,000 car, well, now my value is reinforced. Yep, that's what he thought. I'm willing to give that. Let's go. First off, this is the most fascinating interview we've ever done on this podcast. So uh, thank you, Jason, for being here. Yes, definitely. Second off, I'm going to make a really bad analogy, but follow me. When a major league baseball player or a high school kid or college kid gets drafted, they might start somewhere in single A. They work their way double A, triple A into the majors. Professional wrestling, a lot of these guys start wrestling in front of 20 people, and maybe one day they're in front of 20,000 people. What is the career path for an auctioneer and maybe somebody who graduates your school? Like, what is the what is the entry level? Oh, I have my certificate or quote unquote degree. Now I'm going to go do an auction. What what is that career path look like? Because I got to imagine you didn't just roll out of whatever your training was and then help run the school. So I actually love that analogy because I think it's very fitting. But I'm going to answer it in two parts. I'm going to answer what we think of as an auctioneer when we talk about is what we refer to in the auction business as a bid caller, okay? So that's the person that's up there recognizing the bids, handling the microphone. Mm -hmm. But primarily, the main job of an auctioneer is to advertise, market, and promote a person's items. Ah, okay. when you separate those things, there's probably different pathways. So one pathway, let's talk about a bid caller. So the unique thing, like if we talk about single A baseball or or whatever you want to talk about there, when you get at an auction school and you go to work for usually another auction company, right? Because you might not be as well known or something to start pulling in your own auctions at that time. You're usually entrusted to sell low value items, right? You're entrusted to sell the lots that are going to be two, three, five, seven, nine dollars. And and the, the crazy thing apart about it is, those are actually the hardest to sell, right? Yeah, that's why you always yeah. combine them all with other stuff. You know, you bundle that stuff up. Yep. Right, right. So typically, if a person can make it through that period of their life, it gets easier. <laughs> yeah. Because if you can get really good at selling the, the less desirable items, then desirable items are, are so much easier. And that's where a lot of the charm and the wit comes in to, to sell those items that people didn't necessarily come there to buy, right? Right. Like you probably didn't walk into the auction that day and say, boy, I'm really excited to buy this dirty toaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. right. The, the, the job is to sell it to them. And, and, and as a bid caller, that takes a lot of time. And it's way different now. So when I started in the auction business 20 years ago, I was selling three or four auctions a week. other people so i got a lot of experience on the microphone now so many of our small items are sold online that budding auctioneers have a hard time getting that experience that they used to be able to get i bet so now we we do more drilling and practice and work on it now the flip side of that coin is what we talk about as the auctioneer the advertiser marketing and promoter there's a lot of people that come to auction school and have a lot of success right away. But most of them that have a lot of success right away already know a product and have some circle of influence in that product, right? right. They might be really well versed in old guitars 
And then they come out of auction school and they start an auction company that sells old guitars. Mm -hmm. And and that's been a change too. Like when I think about 20 years ago, when we thought of an auctioneer, they were more or less a general auctioneer that worked a geographical area, right? They, Mm -hmm. they kind of had a 25 mile radius and they were the person in that 25 mile radius, whether you were selling cows, cars, antiques, that auctioneer got it. Now what it is, is we've moved more to auctioneers that have their own niches. An auctioneer might only sell farm machinery. An auctioneer might only sell farmland. An auctioneer might only sell carnival glass. And, and I think some of that is because of the connections we make with others online now. Uh-huh. And a lot of it is too, is we deal today with more knowledgeable bidders than we ever have. I bet. Because of the internet. People can find because the value of, the of things and, and right. look it up. It's not just, right. I really want that thing. They know everything about it. So you have to Correct. be an expert as well. And I would think with the advent of the Internet and online bidding that the prices on certain things have really gone up. You can't get like a Studebaker Avante for a steal anymore because of the Internet, because of the knowledge, and because of the online bidding, right? Because some guy in South Bend, Indiana is going to end up owning that, even though the auction is in South Dakota, correct? Right. That That is true. But you can even take it a step farther. The prices of small items and household items bring phenomenally more online. Sure. And the way I relate this to is I, I tell people today, it used to be 20 years ago, the competition was for the item. That's not necessarily so today. Your competition is for your buyer's time, right? We can order almost any item we want from our smartphone, right? Yeah. But your buyer has to say, how much time am I willing to invest to save 30% on that item or 50% of that item? Sure. And what you'll find out is people will spend the two minutes it takes to bid on their smartphone and the five minutes it takes to pick it up on an online auction that wouldn't have stood around a whole day. Absolutely. Right. So it, and that's just, it's made the small items like, you know, household sales that used to be five to 10,000 are now 25 to 30,000 because we've opened it up. And, and young people will bid online. Old people do too. But, you know, typically on a live auction crowd, our average age is going to be over 60, right? Yep. They've got every sofa they're going to need. They've yep. got every blender they're going to need. And, and the only way you're going to sell them a sofa is if it's three times better than the one already in their house and, you know, they can give 20 bucks for it, right? And they can give the one they have to their grandkid. <laughs> right. But when we open it up, when we do it online, we see way more people that are, are starting households, right? Mm-hmm. People that are in their 20s and early 30s and, and are, are buying those types of furnishings. And it's 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 really really worked well, and it's mm-hmm. and it's worked well for for the auctioneer That's too. That's great. Uh, and just one more thing before we go to session here, before we go to class, you guys are crafty. You put the expensive stuff at the end of the day. So if you've got a bunch of rare firearms or rare motorci- motorcycles, stuff that's really going to bring in the cash, 
Um, and, and you want to bid on this at a live auction, bring an umbrella and a chair uh-huh. for the sun and especially uh, get a lot of refreshments and just kick back and wait because you're going to be waiting for the whole day. I need to go to an auction with Kenny, it sounds like. Oh, they're so fun. There's so much My drama. My brother-in-law goes and he will like th- that ends up being our Christmas presents. Like we'll get like, oh, everybody got these certain kind of socks that was, you know, a yeah. part of like someone had an yeah. online store. Or I don't know why yeah. we had all of these socks, but one year we all got <laughs> these it was yeah it's it's fun I, I it's like oh cool and then he'll tell us how much he bought it for like yeah i got all of those for six dollars and you're like <laughs> yeah. well i didn't need to know that but all right i'm gonna sell you a little bit of value in the school because yeah, we yeah. actually teach something way different than that what you're talking about is the old approach uh-huh. we teach the modern approach what's that when we set up auctions and conduct auctions those higher value items are going to have a time frame and are usually going to sell earlier in the sale. Oh, good. Because what we don't want is we don't want a high value bidder being upset that he had to, had to stand around all day. Yeah. Because now we're thinking about the competition for that bidder's time. Oh, yeah. And if that yeah. buyer leaves, yeah. if that buyer's got a soccer game he's got to go to and he's not there uh-huh. at the end of that sale, there's a chance we've lost our seller. Oh, that's, that's brilliant, Jason. Good. Don't waste, piece, yeah. waste people's time. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Jason, yeah. before you take these guys to uh, school, so to speak, will you plug your website and the school just a bit more so we don't forget to do that? You bet. It's a Continental Auctioneer School, and it's www.auctioneerschool.com. Awesome, and I'm going to make sure that that'll be in the link with this show for people visiting on the uh, website. Yeah, I don't that. know where to start. I'm guessing with the, it's with the cadence and learning your numbers. And beyond that, I, I, like if I want to practice in my garage just to get half-assed so I can do it at the state fair, we're, we have to do a show from, did I tell you this already? No, I, I might not have. <laughs> we have to work the Minnesota State Fair every year. Dawn has a, um, a storage unit full of her old garbage. Oh, and we want to auction some of it off for charity. But we'd like to sound like kind of like auctioneers. Where do we start? How do we practice? Sell my All purse. Right. Yeah. yeah. And everything in it right now. You don't oh, know yeah, what's in it. Is a turquoise. I, I don't even, I'm, just, I'm embarrassed to even practice by myself alone. So, so let me tell you the first thing you're going to do is we start teaching some tongue twisters, right? And, and they're just uh, getting one, the rhythm. And two, starting to get your tongue to work in the way that's going to have to to have an auction champ. Mm. So the first one is called Tommy Tatamus. Tommy Tatamus. Tommy Tatamus sounds like this. Tommy Tatamus took two T's tied to the top of two tall trees. Tommy Tatamus took two T's tied to the top of two tall trees. Tommy Tatamus took two T's tied to the top of two tall trees. Yeah, okay. That's cool. All right. Yeah. I'm going to have okay. to listen back to this because yeah, I can't too. write that I down. Can't, I can't process that right and, now. Uh, oh, oh, Kenny, I am still going to hook you up at the end of this. It's going to oh, be phenomenal. Good. Yes. Oh, nice. good. Yeah. good. Yeah. So the, the next one is, then we move on to Tommy Tadamus's girlfriend, who is a lady by the name of Betty Botter. Betty Botter. And Betty Botter sounds like this. Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. So she bought a bit of better butter, put it in her bitter batter, made her bitter batter better. So it is better. Betty Botter bought a bit of better butter. Right? Wow. So, 
so and there's a few more but those are the two that we we really drill on right? i got no <laughs> shot <laughs> jason we, we talk for a living but yeah. i mean that's all i've done since i was yeah. 20 years old i can't do that <laughs> i've got one that uh, i was a theater major so they made us do this before we would you know uh go on stage a big black bug bit a big black bear made the big black bear bleed blood Oh, wow. Well, you're oh, you're there already, Don. Yeah. <laughs> you can take that. <laughs> <laughs> From there, we start working on numbers, right? Because oh. auctioneering, no matter what you're selling, is some sort of device from six number scales, right? Right. So, so the easiest scale we start teaching students is fives. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 100, right? It, sure. So yeah. we're teaching that scale up and down. And where students start to struggle a little bit is when we start working in the scale of two and a half. Because it's pretty likely oh. that you probably counted by ones in school and fives in school and tens in school, but you probably never had anyone t tell you to count like no. half, right? No, yeah. But, but it's a it's a powerful increment in the auction business, and so they'll they'll learn a drill. It goes two and a half, five, seven and a half, ten, twelve and a half, fifteen, seventeen and a half, twenty, twenty-two and a half, twenty-five, twenty-seven and a half, thirty, thirty-two and a half, thirty-five, thirty-seven and a half, forty, forty-two and a half, forty-five. So that. What's what Jesus. what we're searching for here and what we're trying to build is we're trying like we don't think we think about numbers as much as we do, right? But in the auction business, those numbers really have to be automatic because I can't spend time thinking about them because I gotta think about whether Kenny wants to bid and whether my clerk is on page with me and maybe what item selling next and is my seller happy and oh my god did that guy really just yell at that lady or, or what right. you got all these too many like, things wow. you can't be thinking about the mechanics it has right. to be automatic right. yeah right wow so, so we establish these drills and people drill over and over and over and over again till they can get these numbers like the first day of auctioneer school is almost like boot camp, right? We stand everybody up and we're like, you are going to stand there and go, two and a half, five, seven and a half, ten, twelve and a half, fifteen, and just over and over and over again. Wow. And, and once we can get some consistency in that, then we start building the auctioneer's chant. Okay. So the chant is repetitive and it's meant to have rhythm and it's meant to be smooth. And, and the amazing thing, the hard mental block is when people have heard auctioneers for a long time, they start thinking that the auctioneer is doing a lot more than what they're doing, right? They say, oh, gosh, how can, how can they talk like that? How can they do all these things? But the basis of the chant is really simple because you either have a two-part or a three-part chant. So a three-part chant breaks down into this. What is bid? A suggestion and the suggestion is most often now. And the third part is asking for an advancement. Okay. Mm. So you teach a two part chant first. Well, a two part is just the first two parts. So it's really easy. It becomes just basically the words dollar now. Okay. Okay. So you start learning this structure. I'm bid one dollar now, two now, two dollar now, three now, three dollar now, four now, four dollar now, five now, five dollar now, six now, six dollar now, seven. So you're doing that. Now we might gravitate from a two-part chant to a three-part chant, which we're gonna ask a, a a filler word or an ask question, which might be, would you give? Mm. Would you bid? 
bid them or buy them? Are you able to buy them at one of these words that's going to come in there? So then the three part chant becomes I'm bid one dollar now, two now, two dollar, what a good two dollar, what a good two dollar now, three, what a good three, what a good three dollar now, four, what a good four dollar now, five, what a good five dollar now, six now, six dollar, what a good, right? Yeah. So, so you just put that together. And if you've done your number drills and the numbers are there, it becomes really easy and it becomes almost automatic. So that's your three-minute yeah. champ instruction. That's fantastic. Ooh. Go ahead, John. Oh, you, no, you no, go, no. I'm you terrible with this. You know, we, we do a lot of um, uh, charity events in, in the job that we do. And um, I always say if they – this is kind of might sound harsh, but I really value what auctioneers do. This is a skill. This is a career. And if they throw in, oh, you're going to be doing the auction as well, I'm like, I will not be doing the auction. You will hire someone to do the auction <laughs> right. because it terrifies me. I did I was, I was. did want a couple of – I did a couple, and one of the charities got really angry with me because I, I sold things too quickly. So I'm not good at it. Yeah. You Jason, guys are going to be want, doing it. I just want your voice. Can you teach the voice that you have? I mean, and that's, is there a, that's is there incredible. a method or a reason why you are so monotone? Does it like put people in a trance where they're more likely to buy, or what's what's the right? Uh, right. Uh, that that's actually very true. So what it is is uh, listening is active, right? Yes. And and we can wear out our listeners. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to be on the microphone for literally four or five six hours, and we want people to stay with us and stay engaged. We can't wear them out. Mm-hmm. A- and that's where the intricacies of the auction game come into. Because now, if I only have five items to sell, I'm probably not going to be as monotone, right? I can be way more dynamic, way more animated. You know, like if I'm at a big gala selling something, I can say, you know, all right, what do you want to do here? $2,000, give 2500 please. 25 but I get three, give three, but I get 3500 right? Because I only need to capture those people for a small amount of time. Right. But now if I want you to sit there for three hours, <laughs> it's going to be pleasant and flowing, and the time just has to go past, you know, and, yeah. and I want to keep you engaged. So, yeah, so there is there is a, a design behind it. For sure. Um, Jason, I have a question, uh, and I hate to keep going back to storage wars, but when Dawn brought up uh, the thing about selling stuff too fast when she was doing it, I noticed on that show on occasion, uh, some buyers get very angry with the auctioneer there. They think he ended the auction too soon. Isn't that on the buyer? That's eh, not on the, the auctioneer, is it? And and I don't know, uh, Dan, the guy on the show, seems like a good auctioneer. I have no idea, but uh, isn't that on the buyer more than the the uh, or the yeah the buyer more than the uh, auctioneer yeah so so that's a that's a constant struggle between an auctioneer and a savvy bidder right okay. because you think mm-hmm. about this an auctioneer what do we want we want people to bid fast we want people to bid big increments right because that gets the value higher now as a buyer and a savvy buyer is going to show up to that auction to just the opposite they say my plan is to slow this bidding down and i'm going to bid smaller uh-huh. increments right mm-hmm. then I'm mm-hmm. so so there is a little bit of a of a battle there where you know the auctioneer is trying to train their crowd and the buyers are trying to train the auctioneer at the end of the day is who wins right yeah. the buyers train the auctioneer or the auctioneer train the buyers uh, and that's the auctions i go to john the the auctioneers actually when it's time to close the bidding they slow down and they go, oh, okay, okay, we're at $7,000, $7,000 once, uh, or going, you know, once, twice, and then they'll say sold. 
And that's when some, and you must see this a lot, Jason, where the savvy buyers, after they say going once or, or um, 7,000, somebody will go 7,200. And then they'll end up winning the auction. Those bidders, I hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're I, abs- I absolutely hate them. When you're buying something and the the deal, the sale is closing like that, that's the most tense time because you don't know if there's a bastard in the crowd that's going to take that right out of your hands. So it's, it's like me on eBay at the right when an auction's up in 30 seconds, I go in and bid on whatever. You guys. I want. Everybody hate, does that. I hate do that. You guys hate them. Hate them. It's kind of right. fun to see and, what happens. And I'm going to try to, that guy whose plan is to do that, I'm going to try to find some way to massage him into bidding prior to that. So I'm always going to work on a technique. Now, most auctioneers will signal before they close the bid, right? But I don't necessarily want him to do that. Because what if, so if 7,000 is a respectable value for that item, Mm -hmm. okay, then I'm probably okay with it. I've done my job happy seller, happy buyer. But what if he wants to play that game at 3,100? Yeah. Right. Right. That's a bad day for me as the auctioneer. Yeah. So I'm going to be using that whole day to try to stay a step ahead of that buyer where he doesn't want to play that game, Mm -hmm. which might mean that my signal on smaller items is a lot smaller and a lot quicker, right? Mm. Because what I want to put out there to those buyers that are out there is I want to say, there are two things I control. I control the pace and I control the increment. And you as a buyer are now in my playground. That's right. Because I feel like if I put it in the buyer's hand, that buyer is going to try to disadvantage me every time. So, you know, and I'm not coming right out there and saying this to people, but they're going to understand that, right? They're going to understand that, hey, this guy's controlling the pace and he's controlling the increment. And I hope that that helps me avoid more of those situations so I can get more money is my plan. You always get more money out of me because I'm um, that chop saw that I really don't need is going for $25. Um, so when you reach the point where you're about to say sold, I step in and go 30. And then the guy that was going to buy it says 35. And the next thing you know, we're mad at each other. And that stupid chop saw goes for $45. Yeah. And that's when you know you're at, you've just dealt with a really good auctioneer. What are you chopping up? What's this for, Kenny? But I don't, the point of the chop saw is I don't even need one. I've already got one. Yeah. But the damn chop saw is worth, you know, it's worth $40 and it's going to go for 25 I got to buy that. <laughs> yeah. So, Jason, Kenny's like putty in your hands, this yeah. guy over here, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. in your playground. <laughs> also, for as much as Kenny talks saws, that is the reason why I will never go visit his property. Okay. <laughs> no, Let's do something. Let's do something because I want this on tape so I can practice. Okay. Here's a wireless mouse, Jason. This thing, um, I think I can buy this new for, uh, I don't know, 10 bucks. Um, but the three of us, Don, John, and uh, the four of us, uh, me and Ross, we all want to own this thing. Um, okay. So you start the bidding, and guys, we're all going to bid on this. Okay. Give uh, okay. Uh, raise your hand so Jason can see it. Okay, yeah. go ahead, Jason. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have the wireless mouse. Now, this isn't any wireless mouse. This is the mouse used on Garage Logic and held by Kenny. What do you want to do here? 
Put again twenty five dollars on it. Give twenty five. But again twenty five. But again two and a half. Bid five. But again five. 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 Give five. But again three. Four dollar. Three dollar. Four now. Five. But again four. But again five. 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 I thought you guys like Kenny a lot more. Thank you. Five. Six dollar. And now six. But again now six dollar. Five. But again six. But again six dollar. But again five. Six. A five dollar six. Now seven. But again seven. But again seven. But again now seven. Six dollar seven. Dollar now seven. But again seven. But again seven. Your turn. Give seven. But again seven. But again seven. Dollar. Are we done now? Eight. Seven dollar eight. Dollar eight. But again nine. But again eight. Nine. Nine. Now eight. What's the price? Seven dollars <laughs> to the young lady in the yellow. Oh, you're too late. You're too late. I sold it out. Seven dollars. <laughs> he who has a paper lost forever. <laughs> Fantastic. That that was so good. I was I was sitting oh. on my bid waiting to be the person to hop in at the last yeah, second no. to make Kenny angry and I lost. So yeah. no. This and you must see this there. You must know this happens all the time. Somebody else wound winds up buying something I want, but it's been bundled. So I go over to that guy as he's looking through his uh, his stuff and um that pencil sharpener there. Um he look, you paid seven dollars for the whole box of crap. I'll I'll give you seven bucks just for the pencil sharpener. You must see that stuff happen all the time, right? You know that happens, right? Right, right. It, and yeah. you don't care, do you? Because <laughs> that's no, after your auction. Happen. It used to happen a lot more when more of the auctions were live. Um, but I think when we think about that, so what we have to do as an auctioneer, and part of the way we lot things is to anticipate demand and to project competitive bidding. Right. Because so... So we might have had that item in there that if we would have put it up on the auction, it would have only had $1 bid, right? And then there might have been two other items in that box where only one person was interested that day. Well, now you put all three of them in a box. You've got two parties interested. The box now brings $7. Mm -hmm. You're still ahead versus selling those individual items that you would only have gained three. Mm. So, so that's not necessarily a, a bad thing for us that that happens because, you know, we still engage the competitive bidding, right? We still got people competitive rather than we would rather have bitter competition than auctioneer negotiation. Right. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Wow. Well, uh, are you guys ready to auction off my stuff at the state fair? <laughs> uh, sure. I'm going to have so, to work on the tongue twisters and the uh, the money increments of two and a half because Jason the reason we're in radio is we we all got D's in the math class that's we're, we're absolutely all, true we're all basically dummies so the uh, the math practice is going to take a while I think our backup yeah. plan will just be to go ask these suits and the powers that be for money to bring Jason up here just yes. to auction off the stuff at the state fair <laughs> it'll all go to charity <laughs> that's but right I, I'm gonna I'm gonna set you up because one unique thing that we did and we're the only auction school in the world that I know that we offer an asynchronous online course which means you can take the course at your own time mm, and right. part of that course is the bid calling tutorial so what i'm going to do is i am going to have sarah so sarah lives in rogers minnesota and she's oh. our director of services i am going to have her email you guys the bid calling tutorial oh. so you have it you can oh. go over it. You can see all the tongue twisters. You can have as much fun as you want with it. Awesome. And, and Beautiful. Keep this in mind. What I tell people at school is if your significant other isn't yelling at you to shut up, you're not practicing. <laughs> you, you must annoy the people around. Yes, you yes, fantastic. Oh. oh, you've been such a delight. Thank you so much, Jason. Wow. This has been this has been a lot of fun, Jason. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to drive her crazy. Seriously, I want to get to the point where uh -huh. I, I only talk in auctioneer speak. <laughs>
And Jason, you're you're free to hop off here when we go to break, but I will make sure you have a link to this and you do whatever you want with it, okay? <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. Thank uh, you so no. much. One more time with the website, uh, the school, the website, all of that. Continental Auctioneer School, www.auctioneerschool.com. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you, yeah, Jason. Thank you, thank you. Have a great day. You too. We'll be right back. Every kid deserves the opportunity to attend a ball game, visit a theater, or go to the zoo. At Tickets for Kids Charities, we make that possible for 40,000 local kids each year. Learn more and make a tax-deductible donation of cash or tickets at ticketsforkids.org today. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. <sighs> that was fun. That was a lot yeah. of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm so intimidated. Me too. Um, are you going to practice? Me? Yeah. Oh, sure. Two and a half, five, seven and a half, ten, uh, twelve and a half. <laughs> ten, twelve. Half, hey, I got to write it down. <laughs> we go from twelve and a half to fifty. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I got three. I got three here. Three and a half. Three and a half. Three seventy-five. Who wants three seventy-five? You want three over here. I got four. I got four. Who needs four? Four. Don't you want this? Here's this purse. You, you want four? Four and a half. Four and a half. That's my you know best. Bad, it was so bad for me when he sold the mouse. I got confused and thought I could still bid. All of a sudden. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Tommy Tetamus, we got to get. I think the the part we will get down is our own cadence and yeah. rhythm. That yeah. I'm not intimidated by. I'm the keeping the numbers straight and then keeping the bitters straight. Um, yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Well, we kind of need to wrap up um, here, but we we want to give an update. Well, it depends on when you're listening to this, yeah. but uh, our talk about the submersible um, that is lost. Um, yeah. The latest that I've heard is that. Um, the Canadian government did, uh, they had some planes out there and they have heard banging in increments of like every 30 minutes they hear banging and it just doesn't, it's not something that would be natural because I think that there's, if they are trying to make contact with just letting us know that they are still alive, yeah, they are doing this as a pattern so that you recognize it's not just random banging. So mm-hmm. that is the best hope that they have. And this is, of course, we're recording this Wednesday morning, so just, oof. Yeah. Uh, the latest story from The Independent about 15 minutes ago says they have a little less than 24 hours of oxygen left. So. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Thursday morning our time would be... Right, it would be so awesome if we could get a happy ending out of this so we can... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. 
All right. Uh, well, I, again, I want to thank Jason Hallberg. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. You might be right, right Ross. Uh, this was a good episode for once. Yeah. Finally. And it had someone else involved. What does that yeah, tell you? Yeah. Who we're actually not ashamed of today's effort. Yeah. Thanks for listening to News from the Krabby Coffee Shop. New episodes drop every week wherever you get your podcasts.